It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. The 2020 NFL Draft is in the books, and the intro to the 2020 NFL season is really completed at this point with the free agency period come and gone, the NFL Draft now in the books, undrafted free agents being signed right now. We are hitting the ground running, getting ready for the offseason programs to kick in. In fact, Zach Taylor said... They'd be working with veterans starting on Monday. That's two days away, depending on when you're listening to the podcast. The Bengals, though, drafted four players on Saturday. They draft two more linebackers, a defensive end, and an offensive tackle or guard, depending on where you think he might play in the NFL. We're going to start the show today with the intro focusing on day three. And after that, we'll get into some hindsight discussion because we could talk about the players the Bengals drafted, of course, and talk about whether we think those players can be good players. But then we'll talk a little bit about what about the guys they they didn't draft? What was the opportunity cost to drafting three linebackers? We'll get to that in the second part of the show. In the third part of the show, overall thoughts on the draft, the direction the Bengals are going, how these guys all fit in, and our overall grade thoughts. So, Joe, let's start with the third round pick, fourth round pick, sorry. The Bengals starting the day on defense, double dipping with Akeem Davis-Gaither, the Appalachian State linebacker. Didn't really have a true position at Appalachian State, but for the Bengals, sounds like he's going to be asked to play linebacker, and it's going to be interesting to see where he fits specifically in the Lou Anarumo defense, the base 3-4 he's talking about. He's not really an inside backer. He's not really an outside backer, but maybe he gets some sub package play in both of those spots. Yeah, he's sort of a defensive athlete, right? He kind of did a 3-4 outside linebacker role for a small school so he could get away doing it at 220 pounds. He was effective. Uh, So he found a way to win at that size. But they also let him drop into coverage, do sort of some safety stuff by the way he was out and covering the the slot guy or blitzing or defending the run or dropping back, kind of like a star joker role. Uh, And in a vacuum, I loved Akeem Davis Gay. There was plenty of times when we were doing our mock draft Mondays, I was pounding the table like Jake. I think Akeem Davis gave there is Telvin Smith potentially. And Telvin Smith went in the fifth round all those years ago. So um, getting a fourth is great in terms of, you know, getting a player I really coveted, but the value is about correct with his 
current injuries being one being a foot ankle issue and the other being reported this morning that he had an issue with his knee being bone on bone and what that usually means if, for a good example is a guy like Jay Ajayi had that when he was coming out it caused him to slip a couple of rounds and he had a productive career until he got a little bit older and maybe that happens with Akeem Davis Gaither but I think on tape I really like him the only knock on this pick for me is going back to back linebacker because the value and where's the position how does he get on the field do you see a way to get him on the field and at the same time is that a huge knock because they needed linebacker so bad they needed athleticism at le- that level of the defense really bad and uh you know getting a guy you want i think can balance that out yeah and i think when we get to the next part of the show we'll be able to talk about what we might have done instead looking at akeem davis gaither in the back in the vacuum joe as you said really bring something that the Bengals don't have. And the key element there is athleticism at the second level. They don't really have, they have two good, not great athletes in Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson. Now their third round pick, but Akeem Davis Gaither brings something a little bit different in terms of his skill set, in terms of his athleticism. So you hope that the injuries get cleared. You hope that he can contribute and they find a way to get him on the field. I think that there is a path for that. And like I said, sub packages with different roles. He's an accomplished blitzer, at least a productive blitzer at the very least at Appalachian state and uh, very good coverage marks. So there are reasons to think that he can get on the field in those situations on passing downs, be it as a blitzer, be it as a coverage guy in that sort of hybrid role. Let's go to the fifth round, Joe. They draft from Notre Dame edge rusher, Khaled Kareem. We weren't surprised to see them pick an edge rusher here. I I think that maybe the player selected is a little surprising, but it's not a guy that we had a grade on. Have you had time to watch it? Uh, Just clips. I I did see a lot of people posting them and sharing them on some uh, write-ups and profiles, and I did see that and read that. There was a few people that were really high on him, like Dane Brugler really liked his potential. There were some other people when I was watching the recap on NFL Network uh, some of their analysts were saying they like that day three pick, an ideal day three pick where you're getting value because the guy is hurt, but it shouldn't be a big issue with a torn labrum that happened in November. He had surgery in January, and that may have caused him to drop a little as he wasn't able to test at the combine. If he would have and tested well, then he would have went a little higher. I don't think he would have tested well off the clips I watched. He seemed a little late off the ball, a little stiff at times. Uh, he puts up a good fight. He's got long arms, and he gets that you know, jammed under under the shoulder pads of the tackle and can control him at times, especially against the run, staying disengaged. Uh, it's funny, we were talking in a, in a chat with uh, uh, Ryan Coyle, and he says, kind of looks like cross between Wallace Gilberry and uh, Robert Gethers, right? And so if you remember that, that was a solid, you know, number three, number four defensive lineman for your DN for you, and he could come in from sub packages and do different things. Right now he's edge number four, and will he play? He makes the team, I think, for sure. I just don't know how much he plays as a rookie, and maybe they don't need him right now. I just think this is definitely the area I expected edge. When we did our final mock draft, I had Azur Kamara going in the fifth round for them, and I I just felt like they were going to take someone at this spot. It'll be interesting to see how Lou Anaruma uses him. He's 6'4", 268 pounds listed on ESPN. That doesn't really scream 3'4 outside linebacker to me. It makes me think that maybe he's looked at as a 5-tech. Maybe he's looked at as an actual down lineman in a 3-4 front. Maybe if he adds a little bit more weight, he can kick inside on pass rush downs as well, although I don't think his strength is pass rushing. I think that he does bring something that the team 
was missing at least early in the year last year, which is the ability to set the edge. That's the one, I think, obvious strength to his game. We watched while we were streaming Joe Khaled Kareem go up against Georgia, and and those are two good tackles that got drafted in the first round, both of them, right? Isaiah Wilson yep. and, and obviously the fourth overall pick, Andrew Thomas. He beat Andrew Thomas on an inside counter kind of move once. We saw some clips where he really favors the left inside arm as a bull rush. He, he likes a long arm move, and he sets up some moves off of that. PFF points that out in the very first two clips you showed me, Joe. You see him work off that left inside arm. I just don't think that he really has much juice as a pass rusher. Like you said, he's a little bit late off the snap, which is something that I think you can fix. I think that that is something that can improve with time, but the juice isn't there even if he does get off the snap. I don't think he has a short area speed that you would like to see. I really like the late Robert Gathers comparison, though. Good run defender from what we can see. Really good at using Mm. his arms to disengage, like you said, keep visibility on the ball carrier, but doesn't have the juice. And, And we talk about this word a lot. What we mean is explosion. There's a play, for example, where he gets disengaged, or maybe he's not blocked at all, and the run comes his way on the right side. He just doesn't have the closing speed to get even a hand on the Georgia running back. So that short area burst is something that's missing, but I think that he does bring a specific skill set, and I understand the pick. And I don't even really have a huge problem with this pick, as we'll talk about in the next segment. So you pointed out his ability to set the edge. I agree that was a big issue for them last year. Another big issue for them was how much they had to play Andrew Brown on the edge spot or on a defensive end. I don't think that's where they want him. That's definitely not where I want him. So if he takes that place now as the fourth guy and Brown, some games, man, was out there a little bit more than we wanted, especially when Carl Lawson went down and then Carlos Dunlap went down right after that. It, it became like, man, they really need an edge guy to fill this spot. And if that's uh, Kareem, then, then great, because, uh, again, they get another guy who's a captain. It's a, it'll be a, th- a theme throughout this entire draft. They're going to draft all captains outside of T. Higgins. So character was a big importance for Zach Taylor and the staff. And I think not just character, but like specifically leadership. They're looking for guys that are going to be future leaders of this team. And there's something to be said, I think, about this being the first full offseason for Zach Taylor and his coaching staff, the first full season they've had to really evaluate a draft class. And we're seeing a very clear theme of the kinds of players they targeted. When I said I didn't think Willie Gay was on the board for them, I think their draft, especially today on day three, bears that out. I don't think Willie Gay was ever consideration. Joe, we've gone long, as we do. We should talk about their picks in the sixth and seventh round and get into retrospective next. Before we talk about the sixth and seventh rounds, we're going to tell you again about a very excellent offer to get things that you need right now delivered to you. You don't even have to go out. Joe, I know that you and I both have appreciated this service, and that's Postmates, where you can get $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. Just download the app and use code LOCKEDONNFL to start your free deliveries. Yeah, I'm going to use it to get some uh, medicine. I'm still dealing with this headache, trying to get over this, whatever it is, but uh, they'll deliver anything. You can get it from a pharmacy or your local corner store, and they'll deliver They will make your life easier the way they're going to make Joe's life easier by picking up from Walgreens, 7-Eleven, Burger King, you name it. I don't know why I said Burger King, but they'll drop it off outside your door. If you have a craving or if you have something that you just need and you can't go out to get it yourself, go check out Postmates. That's code LOCKEDONNFL for $100 of free delivery credit on your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. 
Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're wondering at this point, going into round six, why haven't the Bengals drafted offensive linemen? Well, your prayers will be answered, sort of. The Bengals draft their first offensive lineman in 2020, with Hakeem Adeniji out of Kansas. And Adeniji started for almost four total years down as a Jayhawk and mostly at left tackle. He is very experienced. Having said that, when I watched him, I felt he was still very raw. I know there's people like uh, Matt Minich that really liked Adeniji and wanted the Bengals to target him. We had him graded, Jake, in the area of where he probably should have went. So this wasn't um, a big surprise that he was still available, although there were some tackles dropping. Offensive linemen really did drop a couple rounds more. There was a gap there. There was almost no day two linemen, right? There was just uh, Josh Jones, obviously, and a, a few others following. And then really it was fourth, fifth, sixth round where I felt there was still some really good value. But uh, there's your offensive lineman that will come in and maybe compete. Sounds like they're asking him to do a lot of guard stuff. I listened to the interview with the local media, and it seemed like they kept pushing or asking the questions of, of um, playing guard, how often have you played guard, and, and this and that. And his response was he did a lot of it at the Senior Bowl. Like Josh Jones, the Bengals did not get a chance to directly work with him for much of the Senior Bowl, but they did get to meet with him for one day when they switched teams. Adeniji is a guy that needs to improve if he's going to make a significant impact on this team. Not my favorite offensive lineman available there, but I guess the one thing that you can say in his favor when you start to talk about some of the guys that I liked instead, which we will talk about shortly, is that he was healthy. He did play a ton. This is one of those best ability is availability kinds of things. I just have a hard time seeing the the projection. I guess we need to maybe get Matt Minnick on and have him talk about what he likes about Hakeem Adeniji because, as you said, Joe, with all of that experience, what are we really expecting for a senior to take a big step forward at this point. It's not like he's a particularly young guy where there's some physical development that's going to happen, although going from a Kansas football program to an NFL diet program should help the body composition a little bit if he's putting in the work for it. I just see a, a real project here, and, and we're in the sixth round, so it's hard to be too critical, but I really like the next two guys that got picked for different reasons. Uh, Let's talk about the Bengals' last pick in the draft, and then we'll come back to talking about things in a little bit of a retrospective light. The next guy they picked and the last guy they picked at the first pick of the seventh round, 215 overall, is Purdue linebacker Marcus Bailey. Marcus Bailey is a guy that is a total lottery ticket at this point at linebacker. This reminds me of the Rodney Anderson pick, actually, Joe. This is a guy who has a severe injury history. He's had a couple ACL injuries, but when he's been healthy at Purdue has been Profoundly productive, has been a very strong player, another team leader. He was actually ESPN's fifth graded linebacker in the class, 131st overall. The Bengals get him at 215. So if you go by ESPN's board, or I think Dave Bruegel had him as as a third, third, fourth round kind of guy, this is an immense value pick. And I think I agree with that. 
where I start to have issues with the pick is, okay, we're taking three swings at linebacker now, and two of them have significant injury concerns. Now, in the third round, there aren't a ton of guys that you, or sorry, seventh round, there aren't a ton of guys that you really love. And and, and I do like the lottery ticket approach with Marcus Bailey, but uh, three linebackers, Joe? Yeah, and the tape is good when he plays. He seems to make a play in almost every phase, whether it's run defense, coverage, man coverage, zone coverage. Um, you know, he seems to be around the ball a lot. PFF over the last two years gives him a grade of 82 overall. If you want to compare that to the other two linebackers they drafted, Logan Wilson was an 88, and Akeem Davis-Gaither was a 78. So uh, they actually liked him um, Bailey more than, than Akeem Davis-Gaither in that way. But obviously the injuries. I think he would have went in the fourth round or so had he had been completely healthy. Maybe third, maybe second, honestly, if he was completely healthy. Because I think he would have tested well. He at least looks that way on tape. The thing I, I like about it, like you said, Jake, and uh, I like the Rodney Anderson pick last year. You know, get a high upside guy like that. So for me, with Bailey, what it does really is I think the linebacker unit is solidified. I don't even think there's like an undrafted guy that would want to come here at this point where normally I think the Bengals are the ones you'd want to pick. They drafted three guys. Your chance of cracking that are diminished. First of all, you already have Jermaine Pratt and Josh Bynes. I think now Jordan Evans is in there. So you got three there, three draft picks at six. That's probably the maximum you can take. And maybe Bailey's a guy you like put on pup or even the practice squad as a seventh rounder to, uh, you know, give him that extra time to get healthy and get right. Because I could see if they are a three, four team, you may only want to keep five linebackers. Uh, if, they, if they're going to be more multiple, maybe six is the maximum. So for the Bengals, you would be looking at a linebacker room consisting of Jermaine Pratt, Logan Wilson, Akeem Davis-Gaither, potentially Marcus Bailey, and we'll see who else fills out that room, right? There's not a whole lot else. Josh Bynes, of course, and, and then maybe one other guy, maybe one of Jordan Evans and Hardy Nickerson, although maybe not. Maybe these guys just beat them all out, and this is a total revamp of the back seven. The only returning guys that are Darius Phillips, Jesse Bates, William Jackson. I guess if you really want to argue with me, as Joe just did off air, they still have a couple backups that have been on the team too, and that's Sean Williams and Brandon Wilson. So those guys are still around. But for the starters, in in the back seven, you're seeing significant turnover. You have two new corners in the slot and outside in Trey Waynes and Mackenzie Alexander. You have two new linebackers. Jermaine Pratt is is in his second year. And then you'll have some combination of other guys out there in various sub packages between Josh Bynes, probably in the base, and Akeem Davis-Gaither, Logan Wilson, and maybe Marcus Bailey if he's healthy. What, what I like about Marcus Bailey when I call him a lottery ticket, Daniel Jeremiah says Marcus Bailey's tape is second-round quality. He plays with twitch, explosiveness, explosiveness, and instincts. He just, he's had ACL surgeries on both knees. This is so much like last year's Rodney Anderson pick, a guy that second round tape, ACL injuries, maybe this time they hit. So we didn't grade these picks as we were going through them like we did in the last episode. Maybe we should do that. Or do you want to grade day three as a whole? Maybe grade each pick real quick and then, you know, overall just this day. Well, I think I want to look at the retrospective when we start to put context on the grades, right? So Akeem Davis-Gaither in the fourth round, they go back-to-back linebacker. The next couple picks are a couple offensive linemen that I wouldn't necessarily have been opposed to. But I think that in terms of prospects, we have Akeem Davis-Gaither better than at least one of them. And that's Sadiq Charles, who goes with the very next pick. But John Simpson, the guard from Clemson, I would have been totally fine with, even though maybe you want him a little bit later in the draft. I think fourth round is appropriate. Going into the day, we also talked about Ben Barch. We also talked about Prince Tegawanogo, who doesn't go until the seventh round, late sixth round. I can't remember. Seventh. There's clearly something 
wrong there. Ben Bredesen, another guy that we've liked, ends up going to Baltimore. Jack Driscoll goes to Indy. Tyler Beattas goes to Dallas, one pick ahead of the Bengals in the fifth round. So maybe we're a little bit early on those guys. But Akeem Davis-Gaither just doesn't feel good as a back-to-back linebacker pick. He does feel really good, on the other hand, for his athleticism. And we love that about him, right? I love the skill set that he brings to the table. And if he can't hit that upside that you talked about, Joe Telvin Smith, then you're in excellent shape. And, and you're looking back at this pick and laughing. It could be that the Bengals got excellent value with all three of their linebacker picks. And they've got the core of the future they need there. But right. you don't need four linebackers either. So odds are they don't all hit. I just uh, really wanted to see them address the offensive line earlier than the sixth round. So for me, the pick is a B. How cool would it be, though, if next year when Bynes is gone, it's uh, Pratt, Logan Wilson, and Akeem Davis-Gaither as their three linebackers, when they're in three linebacker packages. But, I mean, that would just be, man, nail it, and completely 180 the linebacker group yeah. from the previous you know generation where they couldn't find anybody to stick other than Montez Perfect, it felt like. Uh, so th- that would be cool. But I agree with you. Like, in a vacuum, if you told me, you get Akeem Davis-Gaither in the fourth round, give me a grade. I'd say, A-minus, great, I'm happy, let's move. But back-to-back, not getting an offensive lineman, getting another linebacker later, it just all muddies everything. It all just makes it go, well, where where are we at here? What's the plan? Are we just grabbing good players? And I've been the proponent for that. Just grab good players. We'll figure it out after. There's some positions where you you can't go overboard because these guys won't see the field. As of right now, I don't see how uh, Akeem Davis-Gaither does anything other than special teams as a rookie, which is okay because we also preach that you shouldn't expect a lot from rookies. Uh, so maybe this is the plan of a year in advance where he can play much more. Yeah, and that's totally fine, I guess. It's it's really the, the combination of the picks that brings it down, right? It's that they already have Logan Wilson in the fold. Zach, uh, Zach Taylor said the plan wasn't to get three linebackers. I think they maybe just had linebackers elevated a little bit because of the need. And so that, that skewed them up. Maybe not. Maybe they were truly the BPAs, but... If we go back to the third round, Josh Jones picks seven picks after the Bengals at 72 to the Arizona Cardinals. If you instead go Josh Jones in the third round, then you finish up with Akeem Davis-Gaither and Marcus Bailey. I think you're feeling really good about this draft, and my complaints sort of go away. Then in the sixth round, maybe it's not Hakeem Adeniji. Sorry, Maybe instead they can take a flyer on, I don't know, Khalil Davis the defensive tackle from Nebraska or Antoine Brooks, the safety from Pittsburgh, although he or a safety from Maryland who went to Pittsburgh. I don't want to praise that pick too much, um, but, it, <laughs> but you're it, right. It would give them flexibility is my point. Yeah. And the, it, rate that pick too. So we can move on a little bit. because so we started getting into those waters with the Kima Denji at uh, in round five, when they take that offensive line, a little bit of run of O-line goes. And I was saying, I want Michael and one you from uh, Michigan there. I like a big, powerful right guard. He's good in pass pro despite not being fleet of foot. He goes, Natani Moody goes right after that. And it's like, bang, bang. You know, uh, these guys were getting offensive linemen. These teams were getting these guys that were falling just a little bit. And I felt like those guys are the ones that fell a half a round, maybe more. Whereas identity for us was correct value, which is fine. You know, again, another captain, another real smart dude. Uh, it's just that for me, I don't see the upside in him because I feel like he's had the experience and should be already uh, to his highest point at the, you know, after three years, three and a half years of starting, you're pretty much where you're going to be. So what's your grade for the identity pick in the sixth round? 
C, it's just a regular, okay, you got correct value, you got a player that I was lukewarm on, and I don't see him ever becoming uh, more than a backup rotational last man on the O-line type thing. I think that's a little generous. I'm going C- minus here uh, just because I think that either of the next two guys, you take a swing on Natani Muti, and I feel better than a swing on Hakeem Adenergy. He has major injuries in his background, but when he has played, has been very, very good. Michael Amunyu, the other guy that you talked about, really solid production for Michigan. He is a guy, somebody made a good point on Twitter, you don't need to be an elite athlete to be a serviceable guard in the NFL. And he was he's, he's there from a technique and size perspective. That is something I really liked about Michael Amunyu. Let's go back to the fifth round, Joe. We missed Khaled Kareem. This pick for me, uh, it's hard to really argue with. I, I did, again, like the next few guys that got drafted. Alton Robinson from Syracuse. We've talked about Danny Pinter from Ball State is a guy that had excellent athleticism, and it is a small school. But if you look at his production, you look at his various testing scores, he looks like a guy very similar to Ezra Cleveland, like the guy in the mold of a can't fail as an NFL offensive lineman just from the physical tools. Then Shane Lemieux from Oregon is another offensive guard I like. But the Bengals instead go with a guy that could be a run stuffer and certainly a rotational piece in Khaled Kareem. Again, Dane Brugler had him ahead of teammate Julian Aquara, who went a few rounds earlier. I don't really have any major complaints with this pick. You look at the rest of the fifth round, there aren't even really guys that I would want that strongly instead. Maybe you can make an argument for Bradley and Nye. But he goes one pick before the Bengals are on the clock in the sixth round. So it's really hard to be upset about it. I give Khaled Kareem all those things considered. It's probably a C-plus grade for me. I just I, I don't see tremendous upside. I do see a good marriage of value and need. I see the fit on the team. I just uh, don't see this having home run potential. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think uh, it's a shot in the dark. It's a, it's a hopefully he can be a contributor type player, which I think there were still guys on the board that I thought could become potential starters. And, you know, it's always uh, an option that these guys outplay what you expect. But uh, just watching him on film real fast, I, I felt like he was a potential role player. And, and that's okay because we're talking about fifth round. But uh, so a fifth round pick on a role player to me screams you get a C if it pans out. Yeah. And and I go a little bit higher just because I see the fit, but I, I totally understand the C. The seventh round pick, Marcus Bailey, for me, that's a solid B for a pick, maybe B+. Plus. I, there's nobody else that I really love at this point in the draft. Geno Stone, who again goes to Baltimore, whose draft I really love, is a guy that we had a lot of fun with watching on tape. Uh, Kenny Willickies is a guy that I thought would have made sense for the Bengals at some point. But I... And looking at the rest of the round, we were talking about a seventh-round pick. Hard to really be too critical of those. Marcus Bailey's a player that, if he hits, works out great. Maybe B-plus, actually. I'm talking myself up a little bit here because of the upside. Well, that's okay, because I was going to say an A-grade. I believe I gave that to Rodney Anderson pick last year because that's exactly what you should do. All right, man, yeah. maybe the guy will be, you know, maybe he'll play for you. Maybe not. Maybe he can only handle a limited role. But he's a captain and a really good athlete and a guy who is used to making plays. He seems like one of the type of guys that would embrace a, okay, then this is my job now. I've gone through two injuries. I've had to claw my way back each time. And now I'm a special teams guy and a you know fourth linebacker. I'll play once in a while. Vinny Ray type guy that would just be like, all right, Vinny Ray with more athleticism if he's healthy, right? That's kind of ideal. I'd like to have that in the seventh round. So that's those are the, those are the kind of rolls of the dice where it's hard to find starters late in the draft, but you 
you know, you can if this guy's healthy, if he develops, if he if he gets back to his norm, you you may have one. Yeah. And and I think that's a really good point. You you've probably talked me up to an A. Here's what brings it down from an A for me. I am reluctant to give any seventh round pick an A because an A implies to me that it's going to make some impact on the team. I think for a seventh round pick, it's as well as you can do, but I don't think a seventh round pick, and this is probably just like a semantic philosophical thing. I don't think you can really do that well in the seventh round of the NFL draft. So Joe, let's transition here. Let's get into an overall review of the draft. Let's give it an overall grade. And we're going to talk about our biggest sticking point, which is probably Josh Jones in the third round coming up next. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Joe, let's give an overview of this draft class and reflect on it with an overall grade. And for me, the grade starts out really high because you get a franchise quarterback in Joe Burrow to start things out. And when your baseline is Joe Burrow with the first overall pick, it doesn't honestly matter a whole lot what happens with the rest of the draft if he hits because he covers up so many of the deficiencies on your team. But obviously when you're evaluating a draft class, You want to assess value. You want to assess team fit. All these other things that go into it. So, Joe, let's go maybe quickly round by round and then give a summary. So, Joe Burrow in the first round, obviously an A, right? Yeah, if not A+. To me, you're getting the best guy in the draft at the largest position or most most important position, most impactful spot in your entire franchise. So, yes, if if you think about it like this, Pete Prisco of CBS Sports, after they drafted Joe Burrow, and he saw the next couple picks on day two, and he goes, I think the Bengals will win a Super Bowl in the next 10 years. I mean, that's the type of impact, whether he's right or wrong, and it comes to be, uh, that's the impact and expectation now. So Joe Burrow in the first round gets an A to an A+. If you give out A-pluses, second round T. Higgins from Clemson. The Bengals get a guy who, for many people, had a first-round grade. For many people, did not have a first-round grade if you're concerned about his athletic testing. But he just turned 21 in January, still very young. And you get a wide receiver that comes into the league at the same time as your new franchise quarterback, which means... They're going to grow up together, and in five years, if we're not talking about T. Higgins as Joe Burrow's favorite target, the way we're talking about A.J. Green and Andy Dalton, something's probably gone a little bit wrong, because that is the trajectory that I think is reasonable to expect for T. Higgins, maybe at a slightly lower level, because A.J. Green is a top-five pick, and T. Higgins is the 33rd overall pick, but you listen to draft analysts, and they would say, in a lot of years, T. Higgins is the first wide receiver off the board. Yeah, I could see that, uh, especially in normal years. I could see very easily Higgins would have been up there. It, it, we would have overlooked maybe some of his testing. In normal years, he may have gotten a full um, chance to to go to visits with teams and rerun whatever his shuttle or his cone drills or verticals, and they would have had him test all those, and they probably would have felt more comfortable. He got pushed up boards. Uh, so I think, for me, it's an – a minus pick. The only reason it's not higher is because I had some other receivers higher on my board, but it really, to me, as long as you're picking one of the top ones that I like, 
I'm cool with it. So, you know, as long as you don't go off the rails or off the grid with Drew Sample in round two, you're going to get a good grade here. There was a lot of first-round talented guys still remaining at 33 for the Bengals. They could have traded back, maybe got a few more picks. They did not. They, they got a guy they wanted that they had in the first round. So uh, I can't be too much harsher than an A-. minus. Yeah, I think an A- minus is fair here. The, the only way that this gets better is if they get the guy that you like more or if they get the hypothetical trade back and still get the guy you like more and add a pick later, which maybe enables them to be a little bit more creative than they were in the rest of the draft, where in the third round they go with Logan Wilson, who in a vacuum is probably a B-plus pick. But when you consider the positional value of linebacker, you consider that you're passing on a player that we had graded very similarly at a position of dire need. And I know linebacker is too, but positional value is what comes into play here. Brings it down from probably a B plus because I think the value is good. I like the player to a B for me because they didn't draft Josh Jones. And that's a personal preference and you're free to disagree with it. But I think that Josh Jones made more sense here. And that's the only argument against Logan Wilson because I really like him as a player. I feel very similar as you right here. I really liked Logan Wilson. Um, you mocked him in our final mock in the third round, so I, I know you were happy with that. And, you know, for me, you get a guy that can cover, very accomplished, a team captain again. So I'm with you on a B there. I Also the same criticism is that they ended up taking two more linebackers, and I know we know this now and didn't know at the time, no way to predict the next guys there, but – I think the slam dunk pick would have been Josh Jones. I was really happy to see the Cardinals do that and protect their guy. I wish that was the Bengals doing the same. And maybe then that's the plan for the Bengals next year. On day three of the draft, Akeem Davis Gaither, Khalid Kareem, Hakeem Adeniji, and Marcus Bailey are the picks. There's two more linebackers in this group. There's a late round offensive tackle, offensive guard, who doesn't project to make a huge impact early and a good run stuffer. So for me, day three of the draft for the Bengals on the whole I'm looking at a B minus here. I really like the players, Akeem Davis Gaither. I really like the swing on Marcus Bailey. Khaled Kareem is a C plus for me because I understand the fit. And Hakeem Adeniji is a guy that's just a C minus, just because I'm not sure I see the upside there. And I would have liked one of the guys who went in the next two picks a little bit more. And I'll give the Akeem Davis Gaither pick a solid B. The only reason it's not an A or higher is that you're going back-to-back linebacker, which isn't ideal, but you're getting a player I really like, so I'm happy with that pick. Satisfied. Uh, and then you go and you go to Khalid Kareem, and I'm going to say a solid C. And I don't feel much better about it because I think he's a role player. You're getting correct value for him. Um, and that's fine for the fifth round. Going to the sixth round and Hakeem Adeniji, I'm not really a big fan of. I know some are, uh, and I think sixth round, I think he's is a maybe swing tackle, maybe last guy off the bench type thing, or first guy off the bench maybe as the high upside where he is a, a swing guy for tackle and guard. So I'm going to give it a C minus. I think even for him to hit that would be a, a, a bit of a stretch. So, and then we move on to Marcus Bailey, and I like that pick. I think it's an A pick, and I'm grading it based on the round. So uh, for the round, I, I think getting a guy in the seventh round that is very athletic and fun on tape, makes a lot of plays, would have been potentially a high, much higher pick had he have just had one ACL injury. Uh, that, that's what you want to do. You want to get those guys that could potentially be much more than the round they were drafted. That's good value there. So it's, for me, it's an A pick. So the overall draft grade then, taking into summation day one and day two, I think this is a solid A for me, and, and it's largely on the strength of the, the specific players they drafted out of Hakeem Adeniji or guys that we liked well enough, and Joe Burrow just buoys the whole draft. He's going to be the rising tide that raises all the boats here, 
and brings it up to a solid A draft. Yeah, if you were to weight them by round, because you probably should, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round being worth the least amount in their first four picks, especially with them picking number one, the fourth rounder is almost a premium pick at that point. Uh, yeah, I would say because we got A plus, A minus, B plus, and a B, yeah, this is coming out as an A draft. Of course, a lot of that hinges on the success of Joe Burrow. We're hoping for the best there. We'll be back on Monday night with our next episode. This episode coming out on Saturday night, getting your recap of the draft, holding you over. We'll be back then with a bunch of undrafted free agent signings. I've seen these already start to come in on Twitter. I don't know who any of the players are. We can say with certainty that Thaddeus Moss will not be a Bengal. He is reportedly signing with Washington, so he will not be reunited with his buddy Joe Burrow. But we'll have that full list of players for you on Monday as those get reported. Hope you enjoyed the weekend of draft coverage. Hope you enjoyed the draft. It's a good time to be a Bengals fan. It's a time to be excited. Things are going in the right direction. We're giving them an A for this offseason, essentially. And... I think Joe and I are notoriously hard graders of the Bengals. So for them to get an A for us, you know it's real. Until next time, Bengals fans, have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.